Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's message was given by First Pres Interim Senior Pastor, Reverend Dr. Tassie Green. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the second letter of the Apostle Peter, chapters 1, verses 5 through 11 and 19 through 21 which you will find in the New Testament section of your pew Bibles on page 226 or on screen. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts and minds to the truth of your word. May the Holy Spirit lead us according to your will. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. The apostle has reminded Christians that their Lord gave them promises through which they may escape from the world's corrupting influence and may become participants in the divine nature. 2 Peter 1, verse 5. For this very reason, you must make effort to support your faith with goodness, and goodness with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with endurance, and endurance with godliness, and godliness with mutual affection, and mutual affection with love. For if these things are yours and are increasingly among you, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For anyone who lacks these things is nearsighted and blind and is forgetful of the cleansing of past sins. Therefore, brothers and sister, be, sisters, be all the more eager, eager to confirm your call and election. For if you do this, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Verse 19, so we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. You would do well to be attentive to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by human will but men and women moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. This is the word word of of the the Lord. Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks for that great introduction. You know, it struck me that a number of times already this morning, we have talked about what we are looking forward to, that we're eager to see what God will do or how the scripture will play out. Now, I know many of you are looking forward to this. Notice I didn't put a picture of the game itself. How many of you think that you might have some snacks today? Just a few? Well, I learned that today in the U.S., 12.5 million pizzas will be consumed, and get this, 1.2 billion wings during the Super Bowl. How many of us are in it for the food, or maybe the commercials, or maybe those with whom we'll be spending time? And how many people are more interested in the Super Bowl this year because of a certain celebrity singer in relationship with a certain Kansas City Chiefs player? Now, I learned that there were more people tracking whether Taylor Swift would get back from Tokyo in time for the game than perhaps there were checking the game stats and the predictions. There was even a meme that NORAD was tracking her the way it does Santa each year. Me, I'm not so interested in the game, but I am excited about time with friends who have invited us into their big living room 
Actually, one of them is a can lifetime Kansas City Chiefs fan, and the other one is a Giants, or not Giants, excuse me, San Francisco fan. Regardless, it's time built in relationship with one another as we spend time hanging out. Now, what Hannah was talking about this morning is that the same can be true of our Bible. As we spend time hanging out in its pages, listening to its stories, digging deeper, we build a relationship with the Bible. Over days, months, and years of reading the Bible, whether it's alone or together in groups, the Bible is a relationship. This is the final sermon in this series about the Bible, where we looked at the Bible as a light, a feast, as medicine, as a weapon, and the Bible uh, as a scrapbook and as relationship. The Bible is living. We're invited to engage with it. How is it living? By the power of the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to take a sneak peek at how the Bible is a relationship it reveals more to us over years about who our God is, who Jesus is, who we are, and how reading the Bible can change us. Now, I was interested to learn, you may have heard me say before, that one of the commands that is in the Bible more than many others is remember. We talk about this each month as we participate in the Lord's Supper. We're commanded to remember, to remember Jesus' life and death and resurrection. It's in the Bible actually 352 times. And then there's another word that surprisingly is in the Bible 365, one for each day. That word is fear not. Every time a messenger of God, an angel comes to visit someone, that's what they begin with. And so perhaps our ideas of angels, even our representation up here uh, is a little bit smaller than what they really look like if they had to begin each time with fear not. Even Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, says to Mary immediately, do not be afraid. So as we dig into scripture over time, we begin to see that there are messages that continue throughout the Bible as themes for us to build our lives upon. Because the Bible reveals to us who God is, who our trusting, our trustworthy God is, one that we can remember and one that we can also look to in love. It's a revelation of God. If we're counting what words are in the Bible the very most times, you might not be surprised that God's name, Yahweh, is in there almost 4,000 times, or what we translate as the Lord is in there 7,000 times. God is the primary character of the Bible. The Bible shows us God's character and provides God's revelation of himself to his people. In each section of the Bible, we see God's holy, unchanging, faithful, gracious, and loving character. Slow to anger, full of steadfast love is a phrase that's used throughout the Bible. And God doesn't change, but we do. So different attributes of God matter to us more or catch our attention over time. It is the revelation of God's character. If we have to speak of a single purpose of the Bible, it would be to reveal God to us. There's so many things that we could never guess on our own. Although looking at nature helps us, it's not a full revelation of God. Unless God tells us who God is, we might not get it. 
The Bible is God's self-revelation to humanity in Jesus Christ. So the Bible reveals to us who Jesus is. Jesus, mentioned, Jesus' name is mentioned a thousand times just in the New Testament. Now, if you think about that, we've got all these words for God, for Jesus, versus the number of times the word Satan or the devil is mentioned. In the whole Bible, those two words are only mentioned 80 times. So when we're feeling like we're being trapped, chased after, tempted, persecuted by Satan, let us remember in this book of our faith, he is not the main character, and he is not the one that wins. Our God, our Lord Jesus, are in the Bible 2,200 times versus less than 100 for this person who chases after us. Satan is bound by God's greater power and love. As Earl Palmer, one of my pastors, used to say, he only has the power to tempt and to bug us. He doesn't have the power to make us do what we don't want to do. Satan is bound by God's greater power. Our Lord, Jesus Christ, is in control of the universe, creator, redeemer, sustainer. And as the Barman Declaration says, the only Lord of life and of our conscience. What's that declaration? Well, for those of you who aren't Presbyterians or haven't been for very long, we have some governing documents. And part of that, we have our book of order that tells us how to do things, as we say, decently and in order. But also, part of our Constitution is the Book of Confessions of those who have gone before us in the faith. It's fascinating reading from the Reformation, well, actually, all the way to the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed through the Reformation and on. The most recent one added comes out of the time of apartheid in South Africa. But the Barman Declarations from 1934, it was a group of church leaders in Germany, including Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who wanted to help Christians withstand the challenges of the Nazi party and of the so-called German Christians, a popular movement who had seen no conflict between Christianity and the ideals of Hitler's national socialism. So in this declaration, they stated, we may not keep silent since we believe that we have been given a common message to utter in a time of common need and temptation. They wanted to speak out God's truth. And so this is one of my favorite parts of it. They say this, Jesus Christ, as he has attested for us in Holy Scripture, is the one word of God which we have to hear and which we have to trust and obey in life and in death. Listen to that. Read it again. Jesus Christ, as he has attested for us in Holy Scripture, is the one word of God which we have to hear and which we have to trust and obey in life and in death. Those are powerful words. And in their time, specific to their situation, they rejected a number of false doctrines that had entered into the church through this nationalistic movement. And they say this, we reject the false doctrine as though the church could and, were, and would have to acknowledge as a source of its proclamation apart from and besides this one word of God, still other events and powers, figures and truths as God's revelation. In other words, Jesus Christ, as attested to in Scripture, is the one word of God, the one revelation that is above 
any others. Right there, that's a bold word from the Holy Spirit. And it led to the death of many in the German evangelical church, eventually including Dietrich Bonhoeffer. The Bible matters in its witness to Jesus Christ, particularly in times of crisis or in conflict. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that what carried him through his years of imprisonment was that the Bible verses that he had memorized in his youth and throughout his life were fresh with him because he was not allowed a Bible in his cell. That got me to thinking, what passages of scripture would you have in your mind and your heart to help you if you were in need, if you were hospitalized, if you were imprisoned for your faith, perhaps? If you realize that you don't know many, the good news is it's not too late. We can always meditate and learn scripture. You can change that. For any who want, I have packs of scripture memorization cards in my office to give out that I found in a corner of the church. Learning the Bible can be life-changing. It can be life-saving in times of trouble. Reading the scripture keeps us on track when we're tempted to go off on our own thoughts of who God is or what God has in mind. What I call, sometimes we might want to develop our own personal favorite flavor of Savior. And Scripture won't let us do that. The Jesus Christ in Scripture is perhaps more amazing and far wilder than that we may have met first as a child in our Sunday school stories or perhaps as we grew up and paid attention to just one facet or another, as we really get to know Jesus in Scripture. He constantly surprises us as he did the people around him. He can help just as the uh, German evangelical church saw that theological declaration of Barman, looking at who Jesus is helps us even today combat current heresy or misquotes by folks who are catching the public eye. A choir member, Elise Clairbaugh, recently said to me, it's so hard to tell truth from lies these days. We understand that. The Bible can help us one page, one verse at a time. For the officers of the church, when we take our ordination vows, you'll hear those again next week at our annual meeting. I invite you to join in that. You'll hear some deacons take their vows. They promise to engage with the Bible as the unique and authoritative witness to Jesus Christ. The Nourish study on Thursday mornings, I've had the privilege of joining in with them. They've been looking at scripture. They've been listening to a series by Earl Palmer, who I mentioned. He loved to talk about the Barman Declaration, how it attests to Jesus Christ through scripture. The Old Testament in anticipation of the Messiah speaks to us of Jesus and the New Testament in fulfillment of all those prophecies. It's one big book, one story that fits together as the Bible reveals to us who God is, who Jesus is, and also the Bible reveals to us who we are in Jesus Christ. Because the third most often used word in scripture is human, or man as it's sometimes translated, but human. 
The more we delve into the Bible, the more we discover, the more it applies to our life, the more richness we can find. Have you ever had a favorite Bible passage that you are surprised keeps meeting you over time or confronts you differently when just you need it? I remember as a senior in college, I took a religion class, and I vividly remember sitting there and saying to myself, that this is so boring, I could never go to cemetery, I mean seminary. (laughs) So that tells you my mindset at the time. And on that day, we were studying the Lord's Prayer in the book by Karl Barth, Dogmatics and Outline, which examines the Lord's Prayer. And I was like, whew, this is tough. Ten years later, at a Sunday school class, we picked up that book, and we were picking apart the Lord's Prayer, trying to understand what it means to help bring about God's will on earth as it is in heaven, and how we are to forgive one another and ask the Lord to forgive us our debts as we forgive one another. I picked up that book, and I was fascinated. The Lord's Prayer hadn't changed in that time, but I had. In 10 years, it met me differently. Have you ever had that experience? I call it the Holy Spirit at work. In our scripture today, we heard a whole series of ideas of how we are to work faith into our lives, work scripture into our lives. I want to reread part of that from the message translation. And so listen to this from 1 Peter, 2 Peter 1, 5 through 9. So don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given, complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love, each dimension fitting into and developing the others. I want to point out that these are all features that would be in a personal relationship with our friends, with one another kind of things that develop over with time and attention over the years. And then it goes on. With these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet, no day will pass without its reward as you mature in your experience of our Master Jesus. Without these qualities, you can't see what's right before you, oblivious that your own sinful life has been wiped off the books. We don't want to be oblivious. We don't want to forget what God has done, but we want to press forward in our knowledge and our understanding and our growth. So why do I say the Bible is a relationship? It's because the Bible is not just any book. This book offers us an encounter with Jesus Christ, our Savior. And then that section of scripture goes on in, in verses 20 to 21. The main thing, if you could advance the slides, the main thing is to keep in mind here that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of private opinion. And why? Because it's not something concocted in the human heart. Prophecy resulted when the Holy Spirit prompted men and women to speak God's word. The point is that it has its power. It is living. It becomes a relationship because of the Holy Spirit at work. Do you know anyone whose story includes really just being struck by the Holy Spirit? I do. And I know that there are a number of you in this room. 
I was thinking of a dear friend of mine who met Jesus, who learned about the stories of the Bible at a young life camp in high school. He had been a big time hockey player in his school in Minnesota in the Twin Cities area. And when he returned from camp, he took the words of the Bible seriously. He started apologizing to people that he had wronged, including a girl he had made fun of throughout grade school. She was a little astonished. But the person the most astonished was the local chief of police in his suburb when he pulled up in his beat-up old car, opened the trunk, and it was filled with street signs and things that he had stolen with his friends. And he returned them to the astonished chief of police and said, I'm a different guy, I won't do this again. And from then on, his life looked different. He was a leader of students, of adults, helped begin college young life in the Twin Cities. His life showed a relationship with Jesus that was markedly different over the years. Salvation is all-encompassing, says Peterson. It pulls everything in that has happened and happens in the world, in every person, named and unnamed, pulls us into relationship with the work of God in history, as recorded in Scripture. Because reading the Bible changes us. It changes us, and we find as we change, Scripture keeps pace or leads us or guides us in our real lives, guides us to real change. And this is not easy to do always. Sometimes we get distracted, we forget, a week goes by. I know at one time in a small group, I made them a bet. We called it the great ice cream wager. If I didn't read my Bible four days that week, I'd owe them all ice cream after small group. I can admit it. There were some times when I was buying some ice cream. It also helped build the small group, so good cause. But now I'm, I'm quick to make sure that I have systems in place. To every day, the daily lectionary from the PCUSA comes to my phone comes to my email to remind me to take time to look at it. The U version of the Bible has amazing Bible reading programs that you can find for every season to join in. And we encourage you to follow along with our meditations, with our guide. You'll have it, the opportunity on social media to get daily um, social media posts with our small group devotional. There's an e-reader available, so look ahead to how you can get that in the next week. You know, Scripture says in Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Carol Weinberg told me that that was the first verse that she memorized. I'm going to call Carol up. Let's sit down for a minute, and I want to hear about a time when Scripture uh, became clear to her, uh, a time when Scripture mattered. I asked her, and I asked Bridget Gilchrist this question. Have you ever experienced a time when you prayed and Scripture spoke directly to you or helped you? So I know many of you may have heard this story in the past, um, but some haven't, so it bears repeating. One of your many stories. Um, yes, some of you have heard this. Some of you have been a part of it. But um, in 2005, I was living in Ghana. And um, I was the regional liaison for the Presbyterian Church for West Africa. And I had just been on a long trip. 
And I came back home, and I was, I didn't feel good. I was sick. Um, I waited a day or so, and I woke up one morning and had a fever of 105, which is scary here, let alone there. And then when I went, um, I was looked, at, my mouth hurt. I looked, and my, all my gums were inflamed, and I thought, I, I know from my nursing days, I had been at Rush for 17 years, and the, the combination of those two things meant something deeper was wrong. And so I went to see a doctor um, who had blood drawn. It's a, there's a lot of pieces in that. But it, as it turned out, um, when I got my blood results back, they, I had no white count. I had, it was zero. And so that made me even more alarmed, and I went to, back to the doctor who said, I don't know what to do. I've never seen this before. And I said, I think I need an antibiotic. <laughs> and that started the whole process for, within, a, within the next day, I was medevaced to Paris, and um, where Cam Trout met me, along with my sister. So you spent a long time in the hospital there? I did. Well, I spent a short time there, but I, I had spent a, a night in the clinic in Ghana. I had, they had whisked me off. Things just were happening very quickly. And when I was in Paris, I, you know, I, you had, I had to speak in French, which was a challenge. My brain wasn't working too well, but I'll tell you, I, I was so sick and Cam and my sister Susan can tell you, I was so sick, I, I didn't even know how to talk well. I couldn't think of what to say. And I wanted to pray, and I just couldn't pray, but for some reason, this verse from Isaiah 26, I couldn't remember where it was from then. That, and I memorized in King James when I was much younger, thou will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So you will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed or fixed on you, God. And that verse was the only verse that came to my mind for the next six weeks. I was in Paris for a couple weeks and then was medevaced home to the U.S. eventually and at Rush for another four weeks um, and was pretty much every system in my body had shut down. So... And there was a point where you said you thought about all these people all over the world praying for you through the PCUSA, through missions here, uh, and what came to your mind in that time? Well, I, you know, I still had that verse in my mind, but at one point, I would, I had, it had been about six weeks, and everything was still wrong. They told me my heart wasn't ever going to be normal, that... I was going to need surgery, I was having bleeding, and my white count was still zero. So I, I just said, God, I know people all around the world are praying for me. Wouldn't it be now be a good time just to answer them all at once? <laughs> and that's the only prayer I prayed during that six weeks, I think. And but things those, began to turn around, and things right? things began to happen within three days, and... You know, I don't say this lightly, but the cardiologists, they were doing echo, these 
ultrasounds of your heart, the echocardiograms every couple days. And he said, Carol, we can't explain it, but your heart is normal. And then my white count went from zero to 500 to 1,000 in those three days. Then they took me down. They were going to do a test and then send me to surgery for the bleeding. They got down, and when they looked, a little clot had formed where the bleeding had been. So they said, I, th I think we can just leave it. And so within a couple days, Lord answered those prayers. I left the hospital some days later not eating, <laughs> not drinking, not walking, really. I could t barely take a step. I couldn't go up a stair. The first time I went up a stair, I went straight down. <laughs> but the Lord was faithful. And that one verse, I don't even remember when I memorized it, but it just kept in my heart, you will keep in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on you. And, and that's all I needed that entire time. So... Thank you. Well, we have a picture to show you that you may recognize, some of you may be in it, uh, that this congregation sent to Carol to remind her of what was going on. So thank you for sharing you. your story. And again, many years later now, we thank the congregation for praying for her and supporting her. It is still on her desk, framed in her office. So thanks to many of you. The power... The power of prayer, the power of scripture at work in our lives, we can claim God's power at work. You don't have to be a professional Christian. That's part of the reason why at our meetings, everything from Bible studies to session and beyond, we pray. We look at scripture together, not just because we have to, but because we want practice looking with one another. I asked, uh, I was at one of my first uh, personnel ministry committee meetings, council meetings, and Lori said, have you ever had a time when you just said, okay, I'm going to flip open scripture and see what it leads to? And Lori Kayser um, on that day talked about how God often meets her and others in that way. She flipped open to Proverbs, and it was appropriate to personnel council. Others have told me their story about how in key moments, scripture came to them and helped them in big ways. So the Bible helps us through the Holy Spirit's work. It's in the, the Holy Spirit is in the business of reminding us of God's love. I want to close with this verse. What is the purpose of Scripture? How does the Bible help? John 20, 30 through 31, the end of, of the Gospel of John tells us this. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. We can ask the questions of God. We'll look at the questions that Peter asks Jesus, and Jesus asks Peter, and we'll follow along with him. It was always a personal relationship. So look again at this particular last verse. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. The Bible is relationship. Amen.